Hey, it's Jay. I wanted to extend a special thanks to those of you who have listened and left reviews on iTunes for this podcast. Please leave a review if you haven't done so already. We sincerely appreciate it. We're producing this show independently, and unfortunately, that is not free. We have to pay for digital hosting space, software, equipment, websites, and travel out of our own pockets. But we'd love to keep this show going as long as possible. Please show your support for this podcast and give it life by making a donation to www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate or pledge your support by visiting www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge. You can also find our app in our Apple App Store called Big Buck Deer Hunter 2015 and in the Google Play Store for Google and Android devices. Thanks for your support and enjoy the show. Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 109. Nick and Jake Miller, the O-Town Killers from O-Town Outdoors. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hello, my name is Merrill Sport. I'm president of the Hunt Channel, and you're about to listen to my favorite podcast, Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. This is Gordon Whittington, Editor-in-Chief at North American Whitetail Magazine, and you're about to listen to another great episode of the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hey, this is Dean Capuano from Swarovski Optic and host of Swarovski Optic Quest. You're about to listen to another great episode of the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. What's happened? A psych to be here on the mic and... Uh, Talking deer hunting again with my good friend, with you, Dusty Phillips. What's happening, Dusty? Shh. Shh. What, what? You, you hear that? What? It's almost deer 30. Deer 30. It's almost deer 30, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm pretending like we're headed in the woods right now. It's, uh, it's starting to feel that way. Although it's, it's like wicked humid, but, but. I've seen a little spike in activity in our podcast, which means that people are now probably starting to think more about deer hunting now because they know it's just around the corner. If I don't get some tree stand therapy real soon, I'm going to have to take some medicine or something. Completely agree. I guarantee it. I got to do something, man. So, Dusty, I was on the Big Buck Registry Facebook page today, and I got a message from Waylon Langford. It says, hey, Jane Dusty, I'm in need of a name. I know how you and Dusty like to name deer, so there is there any way, is there any way you would come up with a name for my buck here? I'm just stuck, and I can't come up with one. And he sent, sent this video. So I'm going to send this video to you. Okay. And I want you to take a look at it. And then absolutely. next week, we'll name that buck. I'm all in for that. For Waylon Langford. Absolutely. Waylon, if you're listening, we're going to review the video. And then we're going to leave it up to the, the deer naming master, Dusty Phillips, and we're going to come up with a name for you. And I guarantee it's going to come to Dusty like that. Just a snap of the fingers. Absolutely. Did you tell him about our fifty nine ninety nine deer naming special this month? <laughs> Are we charging for it now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> gotcha. That's funny. 
I also got an email from uh, Dennis Bettencourt. And he says, hello, Jay and Dusty. I'd like to start off by thanking you guys uh, for what you do. I enjoy the podcast and listen to all listen to it all the time at work and on the road. It really breaks up my drives. I've, I'm contacting you because I recently listened to an old episode about shed hunting and thought to myself, you guys need to talk to Jim Coster of Temple, New Hampshire. The man has a gift when it comes to locating sheds, and he does it all on his own without dogs and on all public land. I'm not sure how many deer and moose sheds he has, but it's hundreds and many of the same deer year after year. Plus, he's got great stories, kind of your thing. He also filmed for Lane Benoit back in the day. I included a picture of the antler Christmas tree that uh, he, <laughs> he made and, and to give you an idea of his collection of New Hampshire sheds. I was at my sister's cookout recently, and I mentioned the show to him, and he said he'd never heard of it, but it was interested in talking to you guys. So I figured I'd try to coordinate it. Um, please contact me if you're interested. Good luck this season. 49 days and counting. And this is a massive a picture of this massive Christmas tree just of all antlers. Um, yeah, we got to talk to that guy. Absolutely. That sounds like a great story for the listeners. Absolutely. Without dogs, I mean, we've covered the dog thing, but uh, Dennis, if you're listening, man, we're in. We are definitely in. I'm going to call you tomorrow. So let's uh, let's get this done. Yeah, I think this would be tremendous. Absolutely. You know, somebody that, uh, you know, has been in contact with Lane Benoit and, and, you know, a great shed hunter. That just sounds like a great combination, yep. Jay. Sounds like uh, a very energetic individual. So speaking of energetic individuals, Dusty, we have a very special guest, a, a longtime supporter of the Big Buck Registry. And when I say long time, since our inception, and there were one of the a couple of guys that reached out to me way back. And way back is, I mean, we're only a couple of years old, let's face it, but they've been supporters almost since day one. A couple of fellows from O-Town Outdoors down in your neck of the woods in Ohio, Jake and Nick Miller. And... They're forming a little band of, of hunters, and they're, they're, I love, these guys are great. Um, they sent me emails. They've sent pictures in for bucks. They've shared our podcast week in, week out. So there's nothing I like more than a strong supporter of the podcast, as you know. But these guys are young. They're still in college. They're filming their own hunts. The, you met them when you went down to hang out with, with Mike and Red down in Cabela's recently. Yeah, absolutely. They came down. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, two great, uh, two great young men right there. They they got their head on right, and you know, you can you can see that the love for the outdoors and the love for hunting and the passion that they got for what they're doing, and, and that all combined together is pretty deadly, Jay. It is, and you said that they were uh, very fit individuals, like they're uh, world class athletes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one's a uh, wrestler and one's a track. Uh, you know, one does track and. You can definitely tell the whole family, even their dad, Steve, was, uh, he was in great shape and, uh, you know, he was, uh, they were super nice and made for a great trip to Columbus, Ohio Cabela's mm -hmm. and, uh, thanks for, for making that journey. Uh, it was uh, great meeting you guys for sure. I've, I've enjoyed talking to Nick and Jake and they, uh, they, they just are the kind of guys that I love seeing get into the industry and, I think they've got a very bright future. They're taking classes from Tom Petrie, who used to work for Campbell Cameras, learning how to do the right shots. And they're taking it dead seriously. And they're talented. And I, they kind of remind me, and I mentioned this 
I think uh, during the interview, the guys from Tag and Brag, the Giorizos, except they're younger and they they've got a plan and they're they're motivated. I love that. So get get ready to listen to these guys talk because I guarantee you, you will be pumped up by the end of the show. Absolutely. Yep. So with without further ado, let's get the Millers on the air. Let's do it, Jay. Nick and Jake Miller, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. What's happening, fellas? Awesome. How are you? We're glad to be here. Thanks for having us. It's been a long time coming. You know, we've we've been kind of communicating back and forth over the over the years, and uh, I know you have been one of the longer time su- supporters of the Big Buck Podcast, and uh, we finally got you here. I'm pretty psyched. Ab- absolutely, yeah. We're pumped. Yeah, like. Like I was talking with you earlier, you know, we've we've been following Big Buck Registry for a while now and keeping up with on Facebook and everything. And yeah, we're we're honored to be on here. We're excited. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, you're you're in Ohio, correct? Correct. Yeah, right. Ontario, Ohio, which you know, most of the time we say we're from Ontario. People say Canada, <laughs> but right. uh, Mansfield, Mansfield, Ontario, which is right basically in the middle of Ohio. So uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Now, why is it Mansfield, Ohio? Is it, is it Mansfield, Ontario, Ohio? Ontario would be uh, like a suburb of Mansfield, which is the larger city. Okay, gotcha. So it's like a a, a, a village, so to speak. There you right. go. In a sense. Yep. Okay, good. So you're you're in company with our co-host Dusty Phillips, who is on the other line, of course. And uh, so, how far are you guys from each other? We're probably about an hour, right? Uh, yeah. Dayton area. Yeah, probably probably closer to an hour and a half or an hour and forty five. Yeah, okay, not too far. Okay, so do you guys consider yourself Buckeyes? Oh, absolutely. O H I O. Excellent. All right, this is gonna be fun. All right, so you, you guys are you have like this energy, and I can't help but uh, recognize it because um, even through your emails, uh, the way you write, the um, the communication we've had so far, you're, you're high energy, and I can't tell if it's just because you're. 20 years younger than I am or if it's <laughs> ju- that you actually are just high energy guys, which is it? Do you think? Well, I, I, for me, I guess mainly, I, I mean, I live my life that way, but anytime I'm talking about hunting or, you know, what we do in the outdoor industry, I'm just always amped and excited about everything. So I, there's very, very few days where, where I'm not amped up and just excited about this kind of stuff. I guess, I mean, you're the same way, Jake. I, I would say that I mean, especially when Nick and I get together with with our family, uh, immediate and extended, we we just do things that we enjoy. And when you're enjoying doing things, it's really, really easy to exude that energy and come off as a very energetic person. And we just have a good time doing what we do. And we we love hunting the outdoors. And so that's what we do. Okay. So you're 20 years old and 21. Is that correct? Uh, 22 and 20. 22 and 20. Yes, sir. Gotcha. So, where do you where do you get that passion from? Is it something that's just in your your gotten you've you've had since day one, or is it something that you is it a family upbringing thing? Where does that come from? Yeah, I'd say more more of a family upbringing type deal. I mean, we were lucky enough to to grow up. Both sides of our family was kind of filled with hunters, but mainly our our father. I mean, he 
he's been taking us out there. You know, you hear stories all the time of going out in the woods, you know, at basically out of diapers. I mean, not, not that young, but, but very young and teaching us the ways and, and, you know, giving it to us in small doses, you know, not forcing anything. So I think that really is what fueled the fire right away was, was our dad, you know? Okay. And I mean, I think as, as kids growing up too, you see what your father does and you want to be just like dad. Cause he's the superhero in the family, you know, and I, I can remember a time when Nick and I went out and we were probably eight years old. I was probably eight years old. Nick was six and we went out with our plastic pistols and sat in the tree line in grandpa's field with dad for a half hour to go deer hunting. So you guys are very well spoken. So are you uh, still in in college, go to military? Where do you get your education? We're we're both, both still in college. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So this, uh, this little, um, adventure that you're on with O-Town Outdoors is, yeah. is you're still like educating yourself. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you just said, what we say. I mean, we look at it every semester, you know, every day kind of bettering our education, but we, you know, gear, gear it towards hopefully future with O-Town Outdoors. I know for me personally, sitting in a class as a, a public relations and video student, uh, sitting in class and hearing a lecture where the teacher is giving an example about some business incorporation. And the only thing I can think about is how I can take that model and apply it to us. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how we both are. Gotcha. Yeah. What are you guys studying in college? Uh, I'm a communications and business major. And I'm a, a public relations and video productions major. It's amazing how much your voices sound alike because I really can't tell you apart. But now I, you know, I can. <laughs> we get that amazing. a lot. Gotcha. Are you guys going to the same school? We do not. We actually are pretty much on opposite sides of the state, which makes getting together and filming hunts very difficult sometimes. I go to the University of Mount Union in Alliance, Ohio, and I, this is Jake talking, I go to the University of Finley. So Nick's on the east side of the state and I'm on the west. Gotcha. So obviously we're recording this during the summertime and you're off from yes. college. And so what do, what do you, how do you spend your time during the summer? To, to uh, I know you talked to me the other day and you were taking a class. Right, yeah. Yeah, I just got back from uh, Illinois, actually. I was out at Campbell Cameras. Uh, they had a four-day field production class. Um, but other than that, I mean, we both work, obviously. Got <laughs> to pay for college somehow. Absolutely. But all of our spare time, you know, a, a good chunk of it is always devoted to whether that's, you know, capturing B-roll for our hunting episodes um, getting in contact, networking with people in the industry, uh, things like that. That's how our, our summer is spent. I mean, but there's also the downtime, you know, spent with family on, on vacations, which we, which we enjoy too. Sure. Yeah. We've got to work, work and play kind of go hand in hand. Gotcha. Well, listen to you guys using the word B roll and stuff. That's like, that's like <laughs> we're in the know. you're in, you are in. So, um, Nick Miller, the O town killer, <laughs> where that, where did that come from? Gents? <laughs> Oh man, well it's it's so funny that you bring this up because obviously O Town Outdoors that came from somewhere, but the the name all started everything. And what happened was um, in high school, Jake and I both both were three sport athletes, and just out of nowhere, um, one of our teammates on the wrestling team 
just came up to me and was like, you know, Nick Miller, the O-Town killer. And I was like, what? <laughs> O-Town meaning Ontario, obviously, where we're from, where right. we went to school. And that one day where he just, he called me that out of the blue, just absolutely blew up. Eventually we had like shirts made and stuff. People were calling us this like all over. And we we had Nick Miller, the O-Town killer, and Jake Miller, the O-Town thriller. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just like snowballed from there and it just kind of became like a a running joke, I guess. And then when we kind of two years ago, when we were kind of trying to take our our filming to a whole new level and uh, I don't know, it just seemed like O-Town Outdoors was the best fit for us. And the name hasn't changed. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a good fit. So now I got to I got to admit that, you know, I'm 44 years old and you guys are in your 20s. You got to keep telling people that, Jay. Yes. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to set up the, the question here, Dusty. No, oh, gotcha, D- Dusty. How old are you? Thirty something. Thirty. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Twenty-one. Right. There you go. Well, I feel eighteen. I mean, I'm. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's right. what matters. Yeah, I felt eighteen since I was sixteen. So <laughs> it's um, it's interesting that you know you look at some of the the generational gaps, and I see uh. Your generation, we always, you know, as us older guys look back, we're like, well, who are these guys? And, you know, are, are they really going to make a difference in the future? Are they, you know, they they seem like they, they're disconnected from where society should be and that kind of thing. What do you have to say about that? Um, you know, I, I think that for us, one of the things that kind of stands out to us and, and we've I think we've been this way ever since we started to evolve into young adults is that we we always want to have some sort of an impact in the people who interact with us on a daily basis. Okay. And our goal then is to take that impact and always make it positive. Whether it's being there to talk to somebody or lending advice in hunting or fishing or uh, we both kind of coach younger athletes in the sports that we did in high school. So I think that's kind of how we try to to fit that into our lifestyle. God, I wish all the 20-year-olds out there had the mindset that you do. That's so (laughs) refreshing here. You have no idea. (laughs) I mean, I I think for us, too, the reason why, you know, we we see so many people out there that say lead by example. And we want, as as a a brother duo, to lead by example for – the rest of our our generation, I think, right. And gearing that gearing that more towards our 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 hunting, our O Town Outdoors would be yeah, like transition that into what we put out there for people to see. You know, like Jake said, by an example and and doing things that I don't know, yeah, I guess better better the outdoor industry or the game that we're hunting as opposed to just ourselves. I guess you could say. Okay. Do you think that that stems somewhat from your appreciation for the outdoors and nature? I would say absolutely 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, you get back to somewhat of the, the grassroots of what it is to be a helpful person in society. When you have that, that upbringing in the outdoors where you learn hard work and patience and perseverance and conservation. Yeah. Yeah. All around. That's, um, no, that makes me feel good guys. I just have to admit that. (laughs) Uh, Dusty, chime in here. Now, when you you, you speak to somebody in the twenty-year-old uh, age group, would you have guessed talking to Jake and Nick tonight that they were twenty-something years old? Oh, absolutely not. You know, it it, it boils back to 
I think that the upbringing of a, of a person and, you know, family roots of where they come from. And, uh, you know, you find, you both sound like two fine gentlemen that's got your head on right. And it's going to make something of yourself if, uh, you're going to die trying. If not, thank you. We appreciate that. We do. It's, uh, it's not very often, Jay, that you run into two young gentlemen that, uh, you know, actually got their mindset in the right place and, and are trying to do something with themselves. I agree. I, I, just it's it's kind of mind blowing to be honest. I've talked to a lot of you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds, and you know they can't even carry a conversation because they're buried in their phone, and that the only way they know how to talk is through a text, which is handy, but it's not the way you should communicate. Oh, for sure. But that's why I'm so impressed with your the way you're just well spoken. So I think that's fantastic, <laughs> and the fact that you relate it back to the whole idea of you know of appreciation for nature and hunting. That's that just sets it all home I mean, that's the best so um, well, and that's that's the message we want to put out there is excellent. that you can you can get back to the the positive reality through the outdoors very cool all right guys let's talk about o-town outdoors all right where did you develop the name for o-town i kind of get it but where did this stem from right well Okay, so I think it was almost three years ago now. I think it was more like three and a half or four years ago. Yeah, well, we've been filming. We've been filming our hunts our our whole life. But um, I put together this random video. I don't even know. It just it was a, like just a, a video of all of our hunts from the past, kind of stemmed into into one episode. And it was really amateur. And Jake and I kind of sat down. and We were like, you know what? Like, we can totally, we can do something with this. It, like, we want, you know, obviously growing up watching um, every, you know, outdoor television hunting show out there, and we were like, you know, what? we can do this. So we kind of started bouncing off name ideas. Then I guess you could say, kind of establish ourselves. And it started out. What was it, Jake? It was O Town Deer Productions. Deer Productions, yeah. I like and that. It's pretty You catchy. can still search that on YouTube and find the video. Really? Yeah, I think you can. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, after saying that about 50 times, though, I was kind of like, actually, I don't I don't like saying that too much. I it think just, we both said that. It doesn't it doesn't I don't know, it doesn't ring. And so, we well, just, we knew we knew that our 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 hunting passion started with deer hunting and our dad used to take out the old JVC videotape where you'd have to plug it into a VCR and you could watch it that way. And that's how we started filming hunts. Um but we knew eventually we wanted to get into other types of hunting and, and outdoor activities, including things like bow fishing and turkey hunting and all that other stuff. So deer productions didn't fit with that new, broader spectrum of right. of what we wanted to encompass. And I guess narrowing that down then, O-Town, Ontario, where we've been, you know, raised our whole life, where we do all, you know, all or most of our, our hunting um, it's where everything goes down, where we do our editing, where we... It's home base. Yeah, it's home base. So we wanted that incorporated. And like I said, like everyone, all of our close family and friends know us, you know, as Nick Miller, O-Town Killer and whatever. And like, it just, at the time, we really wanted to incorporate that into who we were. So we actually just got a, uh, a picture message from one of our, our uncles on our dad's side of the family. Yeah. And it was uh, of Nick and I together uh, at an old family Christmas party and we were probably five and five and three. And, uh, he said in the text, it was captioned pre O town days. So it, that name is stuck with us and we wanted it to be come part of the, the company that we created. Right. Gotcha. No, that's awesome. I, I, I like the name and it's, um, it's been growing on me and, and because of your support <laughs> for the big buck registry, like, 
I knew who who you were simply by seeing the name O Town. So gotcha. It's, yeah. it's got a branding associated with it. I get it. Right. That was that was part of the part of the idea, I think, as well. Yep. And ultimately, yeah, kind of in a way, trying to put Ontario kind of on the map in terms of deer hunting and, and what we're trying to bring to the table, right? As well. Gotcha. All right, Nick. Yeah, it's a serious question. Oh. Um, <laughs> on your face or not? No, on your website, it says that you believe in Sasquatch. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, tell me how you got there. <laughs> oh man. Well, it goes a while back. My cousin actually was big into into Bigfoot, into Sasquatch when I was young and he's quite a bit older than I am. And I just kind of idolized him at the time and I was like, Psh, I mean, if he thinks Bigfoot's real, I think Bigfoot's real. But then as I got older, you know, there's those, you know, now there's Finding Bigfoot and all these TV shows and I came across um, the famous like Patterson footage from like 1940. And I was just fascinated with it. Sure. Um, absolutely obsessed with it. And I fully believe that Bigfoot is real. I think he's out there. However, I'm not sure that these, you know, biologists, these scientists with finding Bigfoot are really looking in the right spots. But one day, I don't know, one day it might be an O-Town adventure someday. Hey, it could be, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a second a question, and this one's for Jake. Yeah, now, Jake, you're you're the O Town Thriller. Yeah, but you yes, haven't sir. you haven't killed a buck in eight years. Explain. No, sir. He's cursed. It's, he's cursed. <laughs> I I really I mean it's easy for someone to say that oh I have terrible luck, but we we both kind of feel like you make your own luck, and uh, I mean even. Even in in some instances, yeah, you do have a bad year, but that doesn't mean that you can you can blame it on other other outside factors or or anything like that. Um, a lot of times, the successful hunts that we've been on, I've been behind the camera, so that's in, in my mind, I'm just as lucky as the person who got to actually shoot the arrow. Gotcha. But he's cursed. <laughs> why do you, Why do you think you're cursed? No, he just. I, if you talk about luck, and I mean luck does play into hunting i think we all know that as as hunters it does it does factor in for sure it just seems like when jake's behind the camera i have most of the luck it just seems how it's been working out and jake's i mean he's had opportunities in the past eight years and just things haven't always haven't always panned out but another fact is 2015 this season is going to be different that curse is going to end that's a fact <laughs> gotcha let's let's talk a little about about how you're going to go about that jake um, yeah. What's the plan? Uh, well, I mean, even even just I, I would venture to guess that in the past two years of the creation of O Town Outdoors, we've probably learned more things about hunting and managing a property and running trail cameras and planning food plots and doing all the homework than we have in for sure the rest of our lifetime combined. Um, so I think now we're much more dangerous when it comes to locating a big buck, finding his travel patterns and setting up in an opportunity for us to, to have that shot. For okay. sure, yeah. Um, we, we actually did that last year with Nick's biggest buck to date. Um, we had him patterned all summer long, knew where he was going to be in the early season. And on that day, Nick actually asked me if I wanted to carry my bow. And I said, no, I'll take the camera. And lo and behold, <laughs> Nick shoots the biggest buck of his life. So that's, I think where, where the Nick says the, you know, he has the luck when I'm behind the camera, and I think it's just because I don't care to carry the bow. If I have to carry the camera, I'm just as in yeah. tune with the hunting and just as involved and excited right. as if I actually took the shot myself. Okay. That That's, makes for an awesome pair. 
It does. Yes, it really does. Definitely. Dusty, you want to kind of grill these two young young men about how their their progress of learning how to hunt whitetail has gone over the years? Yeah, I do. I want to I want to bring it back to like when you guys first started. Tell tell me a little bit about like your first hunts out where you actually harvest your first whitetail. We don't want to get in full detail, okay. but I want to kind of just run through a little bit of a starter and we'll progress as we go here. Gotcha. Well, our first hunts, mostly, we didn't even climb trees or tree stands. You know, we hunted straight from the ground and, you know, old school style. And we had some awesome encounters. Got, you know, we harvested deer that way. Um, my first deer actually was out of a big shooting house with a, it was during youth season with a shot, 20 gauge shotgun. It probably sits eight feet off the ground pretty much in the wide open middle of a tree line and the deer just cruise right in front of it. It's just right. a natural travel corridor. And, and I mean, this was when we first, first started, that was my first year hunting. I mean, we didn't, there was no, we no scent control. You know, we, all three of us traipsing through the woods it, it, compared to what we do now. It's just, it's night and day. We would never even, you know, consider <laughs> doing now what we, how we hunted back then. But I mean, it worked. I right? think a lot of it too, back then, was uh you know you you're sitting in a stand and 150 yards away you see a deer so the next time you go hunting you move to that spot the hoping that that deer is going to be there again and just because of the area that we hunt there are so many deer a lot of times it worked out in our favor um but a lot of it was just i think kind of blind guessing and and going with the flow learning learning along the way you know we're all completely self-taught all around all around the ball game wouldn't you say I would say so. You, you brought up a great point there when you said that you went out and you seen a, a deer that was 150 or 200 yards away and you moved to that. Is that something uh, over time that you've learned that uh, to adjust to, you know, try to set yourself up in the beginning on that spot that you think the deer are? Is that something that uh, progressed as as years of experience come about? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, cause, because, na- I mean, then we, we didn't have trail cameras. We didn't scout. You know, opening day came and we started hunting. Now it's... 365 days a year, you know, running trail cameras, um, driving backcountry roads that butt up to our properties, you know, scouting bean fields, figuring out what these deer are doing and when they're doing it. It's just completely changed now. Yeah. So, so where in the past, when we started, we patterned the deer during the season to to figure out where the best spot to sit was. Now we do it prior to the season and all year long so that we have a better knowledge of what our deer herd is doing. And that way we can manage it a little bit better and, and, try to approach hunting from the, uh, I, I guess, most accurate way possible. Absolutely. Tell me about um, what what methods do you use to capture your deer movement and your activity throughout the summer months? Well, we run our covert scouting cameras religiously. Um, never, <laughs> never had a problem with them. And, uh, you know, we set up mineral sites, obviously, just to increase the overall health and antler growth of our, of our herd and that obviously helps getting deer activity and kind of locating what bucks are in your area, obviously. Um, and then, like I said, just, just scouting and putting in the time and, you know, coordinating that with moon phase and, you know, when the deer are moving and why they're moving is just really played into our favor, especially last season. And, you know, hopefully this season as well. I think a lot of it too, is that something that, that I, I think, I think we can agree on this, Nick, is that a lot of hunters, more so in the past than now, but they used to overlook the shed hunting phase of deer hunting. And that's that's so critical because you can find what bucks survived. But as you're walking through the woods looking for that, that antler, you can can see what travel corridors they're using most, where the, the leaves are stamped down from 
their constant traffic and that helps you or helps us decide where we're going to put our covert cameras. Right. Yeah. I think that's the best time to scout personally, shed, shed season. I think that you can collect the most information during, you know, March when you're shed hunting than you can any other time of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with that. Let me ask you if you think that being out there shed hunting and learning the lay of the land and being a stewardess of the land that you're hunting, what what role does that play in your success during hunting season? Uh, you know, one thing that that we always try to do is to, I mean, you can you can kind of guess where a deer is going to be walking based on where the high points are and where the low points are, uh, what direction the field edges are, where the wind's going to be blowing through, and um, I think that helps us then manage our herds better when the season comes right is there any particular things that you do to to keep the deer in your area such as food plots or yeah actually last, management? last night we were just out um dad and i were just out getting one of our food plots plots ready yeah that that is one thing we try to try to do to hold deer onto your property especially late season you know when food is scarce and um, it's it's something that's i mean it's you don't need to plant a 15 acre food plot Ours is a, a quarter of an acre, and it's just that little bit of extra edge that we have because we're hunting on on land in places where you know there's we don't own 450 acres on a farm. You know we have 25, 30 acres of woods that we hunt that's surrounded by 25 and 30 acre other plots of woods and fields that other people hunt. So uh, managing a herd, it's very difficult, and I think kind of gearing now. Oh, towards like our video aspect we want to like let people know that we're just you know average people going out and, and doing this like jake said we don't have thousands of acres of untouched deer that we can pick and choose from you know so managing it does does seem to be difficult at times but at the same time we have harvested deer and you know past deer and then you know seen them in years past and, and harvested them so i mean it's difficult but it's it can be done if you if you play your cards right and do your homework i think that this this the, the way that we approach our hunting and our deer herd management because of the circumstances that our our land exists in helps us to be better better hunters and and better stewards of the land because we have to take in probably three times as much information as someone who gets to hunt a property where they know their deer are going to be only on that property right. yeah so there are so many other external factors that could manipulate where the deer herd is going that we have to take into account and and try to combat. Can you explain some of them factors? Uh, I mean, the occasional dog that that might run yeah. through <laughs> through a wood a wooded area and scare off a deer. Or we uh, had a we had a run in this past season, unfortunately, with a trespasser slash poacher, actually. Right, and that too. I mean, just all, <laughs> and that's something that that we were were brought up uh, against basically i guess i mean we were we were taught from day one all of the rules and and how to do things right um not even rules just right. ethically what you should and should not do and there's uh, unfortunately there are there are people out there who disobey those things and those are factors and then you have 
someone who might, I mean, we have, we have a farmer in our area who for some reason plants a, a 45 acre field of corn standing and leaves it standing until March. Um, and so that's something where deer can hide and we don't know from year to year whether or not he's going to do that. So that changes the pattern of deer movement. Which in that, that field that Jake is talking about, we don't actually have permission to, you know, that it butts up to the property you have permission on, which makes it hard. If that was, if that was the case and that was on a property that we can hunt, that would actually probably play into our favor a little bit, but we can't even, you know, be there on that, on that, that specific plot. So, but yeah, I'll, not to mention, if you're talking about factors, you know, it's just the predators and, you know, other hunters, like Jake said. So. Yep. You could, you could say that, you know, early season, you're not going to hunt in the morning because odds are you're going to spook off the deer and then they're going to figure out your movements and where your stand is and things like that. Um, but we can only control that on the 20 acres that we hunt and yeah. we can't control that on every other piece of property that surrounds us that could move deer in or out of the area. So, right. Absolutely. For sure. What, uh, what kind of seed are you guys planting for food plots? This year, I think we're actually going to plant frigid forage, um, the big and beastie. Uh, we actually um, have became pretty good friends with the guys from Tag and Brag, and they use that. So that's kind of where, where we heard about that from. In the past, though, we've used um, Evolve Harvest, kind of like the throw and grow stuff. The biologic. Right, right. And I think we're going to plant a, uh, just a standing, it's kind of, it's getting late, but I think we're going to plant standing beans and then kind of cross our fingers and hope that they do all right and it's not too late. And that they stay green later. With the goal in mind being, yeah, that they are going to be green, you know, through October. So hopefully those deer will be hitting it hard. That's kind of something new we're going to try this year. And like you said, we kind of we kind of learn as we go along, and that's something we're going to try to test out and see see how it works. Right, absolutely. You get into something that I'm a little bit knowledgeable about. Get into planting beans. You can get them in the dirt right now, and I think that they'll do fine. The, the only downfall to a, a soybean late season trying to get some green foliage out of is that the first frost, the soybean's dead. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yes, yeah, so. That's just a factor that the. That, that plays a role in soybeans for a food plot. But, you know, the as far as the actual uh, pods and the soybeans, they should be a great nutritional value. And and I'm going to tell you this, if they do pod out and, you know, the, the frost gets them and, and the, the deer don't hit them right away, that uh, soybeans are, are killer for late season. Right, they're yeah. Absolutely. Super high in protein and, and they're going to they're gonna bypass them during the, the early fall starting in the winter but once that temperature drops out and the um the cold weather comes rolling in about uh, december january ish uh hunting over a, a standing soybean field is dynamite absolutely yeah and that's what that's what we're hoping for now look at this we're we're constantly trying to learn things and what just happened right there we learned something new so that's <laughs> that's something we strive to do every single day Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just uh, it, it it's something that all hunters, not just you guys, but all hunters and all of our listeners, should take in everything that's uh, fresh and new to them and learn from it. That, that's why we we come up with this podcast, and, and Jay and myself thoroughly enjoy hearing other techniques of hunting, and, and and we're able to pull information from hunters from all over the United States and some from across the seas, and that's that, this makes it for a great experience. Oh, absolutely! You can never learn it all. That's what we, you know, that's what we say. All right, absolutely. What, uh, what kind of mineral are you putting out through the summer months here? Bonehog minerals, actually. They're, uh, 
we hooked up with them and they they've become one of our sponsors over the over the year they're out of michigan yeah and uh we've been using that we actually got some more in the mail today but uh they i mean they seem to love it they hammer it so we uh you know we've experimented with it sometimes you know we make our mineral site just straight on the ground kind of rake it over um but i actually prefer to put it on like a, a rotten log and one of our bone hog mineral sites actually that we established last year i haven't even refreshed it this season but they're still hammering it so it's a it's a powdered mineral so it's not a block where they have to come and lick it right um so the first rain that hits all that powder is going to be absorbed into that rotten log or rotten stump or whatever and and turn what would be basically just fiber into something that's of nutritional value. Right, absolutely. Definitely, definitely has increased our trail camera pictures for sure. So the activity over the mineral station is is increased oh, quite yeah. a bit then? Uh, quite a bit, yeah, absolutely. And that's in a powder form? Yeah. Okay, yeah, excellent. What kind of tree stand setups are you guys using? Hang-ons, strictly hang-ons. Any um, particular brand? Uh, we, we try to use the muddy tree stands as much as possible, but over the years we've used, uh, the big game tree stands. We actually just, that company just bought out muddy, um, Lone Wolf had Lone Wolf. We've summit. I mean, we really, we really tried them all. A lot of times if there was a, uh, especially when we were back in middle school and high school, if there was a sale on tree stands at the local Dick Sporting Goods, we would go and buy three of them. Yeah. Um, Can never have too many stands. Right. And we always, I think we only ever set stands that have two stands in them. Right. Well, we, you kind of asked this earlier. We never step foot into the woods anymore without a camera. Actually, multiple cameras. So all of our stand setups are two stands. And we try, we're both right handed shooters. All of us in our family are right handed shooters. So we try to put the cameraman stand um, above and to the right of the hunter stand just enough so you can kind of step on the hunter's seat and step right into the stand and that allows us to get the best footage we believe so that's how our stand is up in the tree um and then obviously we have multiple cameras up there so it gets kind of it gets kind of rough up there there's a lot of we got a lot of equipment up in our setups it's definitely was it was chaotic at first but now i think nick and i especially have uh chemistry built up to where we we just know each other's each other's job whether we're the hunter or the cameraman in the stand and it's kind of become like brushing your teeth in the morning and just kind of do it how how long did it take before that pattern actually set in where you guys are are super comfortable with yourselves well i'll tell you right now it took me longer jake jake can just do things i i am a slow learner i'll be honest with you so i remember i remember the first time we Last season was really the first season where we went in, I mean, all the way. And we had like four or five different camera angles every think, time we went hunting. And yeah. we, I'm, I remember clear as day the first time we went up there. I was like, oh my gosh, in the dark. It was it was opening morning, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. In the dark. And I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. I think setting up, it took me like 45 minutes, maybe longer. The sun was <laughs> definitely coming up by the time we were, yeah. we were actually set and ready to go. But now, I mean, like Jake said, just kind of second nature boom so so over a year you progressed to where you're comfortable with setting up everything in the dark and getting everything ready in the tree stand yeah and i i think i think the key here is that now regardless of who is carrying the bow and who is carrying the camera we we both trust that each other we we trust each other to do their job and and get it set and ready to go so that we can actually sit in for the long haul and and 
clumped together. Uh, how, how long did it take that trust to bond? Uh, I, I think that's that's where we arrived last year. Uh, so roughly a year to get the chemistry down to that right. to that level. Yeah, that, that, that's great that you're talking about that because you know what one of our great listeners could could be thinking about uh, partner up with somebody this year, and you know, yeah. and you guys explaining that pretty much gives me as uh, somebody that's going to go out and hunt with camera and a bow and, and two hunters, uh, one filming obviously and one with a bow obviously. You know, give yourself a year's time. So is, is that pretty pretty good to say a year would do it for I would definitely Jake? say a season. A, yeah, a one, season. One deer season, you'll be, yeah. I would also recommend that you put your patient hat on and not get frustrated or flustered if things don't go right because odds are that for that first season there will be times like that you're gonna you're gonna double punch the record button you're gonna you know miss a shot that you wanted to get on film and you did you didn't get it that's gonna happen for sure and it's still gonna happen in the future i mean but the the first the, the first season going in like that it's yeah you're gonna have some let downs for sure i think i would i would liken it to the learning curve in in a new sport for a young kid that that first year they're kind of tentative and they don't know all the basics and they don't have the skill set but by the second year they're starting to get the hang of it and i think that's that's kind of where we are right now all right absolutely that's that's perfect you know i'm glad you shared that and i I know there'll be listeners that really will appreciate that information coming into a new year with maybe a a brother or cousin or a friend that's uh you know good hunting buddy that's going to be in the stand with them vice versa they're going to hunt and film each other and uh you know be patient and 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 take your time with it and have fun you know that that's the whole main thing is having fun with it jerry you want to get into a little bit about a hunt jay I sure do. Uh, Nick, let's let's go deer hunting. All right. All right. I want you to take us on your most memorable deer hunt of all time and start with where the location, where's the setting, and then let's get into um, you know, that 48 hours prep time up to the kill shot. Where are we going? Okay. All right. Perfect. This is actually easy for me. Um, we're going to be in O-Town in Ontario, actually in on the property – uh, right behind our house. We do not own it, but uh, we have permission from the landowner. And it, our stand is actually like 70, 80 yards from our house. Um, but I'm actually going to take you back three years because this hunt um, involves a buck that we had watched on our covert cameras for three seasons prior to. He's just a real wide, clean eight point. Um, we estimated him, estimated him to be about a three-year-old the first time we had pictures of him. Um, hunted him that year, never saw him on the hoof. Uh, sure enough, as soon as the season ended, showed back up on camera, was there all summer again, next season, didn't see him again all season. Um, neighbor had trail cam pictures of him after the season. So I knew he made it. And then last year, um, that summer we started using the bone hog minerals. And I mean, he, when I say he was there every single night, he was there every single night in daylight. And I, I told Jake, I said, you know, I'm going to like, we're going to kill this deer this year for sure. It's, it's going to happen. And he actually hung out, uh, in his bachelor group with a, with a bigger buck. Um, but I don't know. I just had my heart set on this deer because we, I just had so much history with him. Um, so it was the second week of the season in Ohio, October 4th. Uh, we had hunting opening, we had hunted opening weekend, both home from college. Uh, we were in the woods all weekend and, Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, we really made it a point. We, you know, we did not hunt a stand last year unless the wind was absolutely perfect. And I wanted to get in and hunt that stand behind our house so bad at opening weekend, but the wind just was not right. So we we did not hunt it. And I'll, I'll 
I'll say this to, to kind of jut in, but you could almost, for me, I could almost see Nick itching in his skin to get in that stand and to hunt that deer. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but sure enough, the second weekend then, I came home from school again. Jake came home. And uh, October 4th rolled around, and sure enough, wind was perfect for that stand. And what it is is there is a – it's like a 20-acre woodlot with a hay field. And we were in we were in a chunk um, along probably, what, 50? Yeah, 50 yards from the hay field with a creek right behind us. And they bedded to our left, and we were facing out towards the field. And we knew that they bedded uh, to our left. And obviously the, the covert cameras had him coming, coming from that way. So we knew that's, that's where they spent most of their time. And they were kind of still on their early season patterns. And we got up in the stand uh, super early, you know, obviously, like we talked about getting our camera equipment ready. We have to get in there pretty early. Uh, I think it was like 3, 3.30. Early season, I think it was 3.30 or 4 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, 3.30. And we were literally in the stand for 15 minutes Jake is looking through the viewfinder on our camera. He was, you know, messing with the focus, getting everything set. And he says to me, Nick, there's a deer. He did not, he did not see this buck except for through the viewfinder of the camera. He was literally just happened to be right on him. It was pretty windy. Um, so we didn't hear him come in and it was so thick still, obviously on the second week of the season. And when I turned to Jake first, I thought he was just messing with me. I was like, okay, really? You're going to pull this on me? Like, you know how bad I want to be back here and we're in the stand for 15 minutes and you're like, Nick, there's a big buck. And I sure enough, I whipped my head around and it was him. I literally could not believe it. And if you watch the video, you hear me say, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's him. Like it's him. And sure enough, he came right in, gave me a 18 yard shot quartering to me. I mean, it all happened like that. As soon as we saw him, it was a minute before he gave me a shot. When you say two minutes, maybe I think by the time that I realized I was actually seeing antlers in the viewfinder, it was probably a minute and a half to two minutes by the time they let the arrow fly. Right. And what also made it so cool um, for me is that I was obsessed with how many trail cam photos I had of this deer. I was literally obsessed. I would just like sit up at school in class and just look through these trail camera pictures. Nick would email me yeah. trail cam pictures that we had already gone through together and to reiterate right. how much he wanted to. What was so deer. cool is right before I shot, he was standing right in front of my trail camera and I got like three pictures of him right before I shot him, which I thought was just awesome. And, uh, yeah, according to me, just a hair and I snuck it right behind his shoulder and he didn't go 80 yards. But uh, before, obviously, we, we put the track job on him, uh, Jake and I were just absolutely amped in the tree stand. I mean, if you watch the video on our website, you can see me about fall out of the tree, I think. Good thing I, good thing I had a safety harness on. Um, but yeah, we were stoked, and we backed out. This was also cool, and what made this hunt so memorable for me is we backed out, went to the house. Um, I actually called my dad in the tree stand, <laughs> freaking out, and went back to the house. We got my dad, my mom. And my younger sister, all to come on the track job with us. It was my mom's first first time tracking a deer, which was awesome. And uh, we put the track job on him. And sure enough, Jake, you spotted him, I think. Yep. Um, about 80 yards from the tree. And from that from that moment on, it was just, I thought I was dreaming. I felt kind of famous because we had all kinds of cameras rolling, flashes going off. And I just was so surreal. I mean, like... Obviously, watching, growing up, watching all these, you know, hunting TV shows and that happens and, you know, it never really happened for us that we had located a deer, patterned him, hunted him and 
then it all came together. It just was like amazing for me. And at the same time, it was almost, it was almost like sad. Like I could never, you know, it, the chase was over, but I was so, so excited. And that is my most, hem- most memorable hunt for sure. Without a doubt. Awesome. I love it. Great story. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how that whole uh, anticlimactic thing shows up when you're, when you're, you actually pull the, the trigger or, or, oh, it is. you know, make the kill. You're like, Ah, it's over. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and not not in a good way. Like you, the hunt is part of is the whole thing. Like that's right. You know, the kills just kind of the yeah. the end of it. Right. Well, and out of out of respect, yeah, for the animals we hunt too. You know, we have so much respect for them, and yeah, like you said, it's just like you spend you you consume so much of your time thinking about them, and just you know, laying in bed at night. I would lay literally lay in bed at night and think about this deer. I mean, yes, probably people think I'm weird, but I mean, <laughs> I would. And so I don't think you're weird. <laughs> that's just the way we think on the Big Buck Podcast. Exactly. Right? Yes. How many that's, hours. That's something that like I don't go to bed and count sheep i count antlers yes i sit there and strategize on how i'm going to get to that buck that that track i picked up two days ago how am i going to get to that buck where he is today how how am i going to make sure he doesn't win me how am i going to when am i going to wait for that next snow to fly so i can get back on his trail it's just it's endless 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 i guess yeah I, i take that back it's not weird for us but maybe outside people who are not involved in hunting might think it's weird but you're right it's normal right those people don't count though yeah exactly. only we count all right so jake yeah let's go on a deer hunt yes sir um, I know we're going back beyond eight years. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going way, wrong. way back. That's that so was, wrong, Jay. That that was cool. so wrong what I Jay, just said. You got to say that's wrong, Jay. You can't. It's all right. I, I <laughs> have accepted it, and I guarantee you that in the 2015-2016 deer season, I will have a picture to email you guys proving that the curse is over. I have no Honestly, doubt about that. can't wait. Okay, so it's 2015 now. Right. So we're probably going back pre two thousand seven. Um, where are we going? Well, this is this is actually probably the the first time that I went hunting with my father uh, without Nick being there as well. So in the in the past before this point, we had gone all three of us. Um, and this this day is actually I'm I think I was eight years old. Um, so that was actually in the year two thousand. Um, and it's Thanksgiving morning. I remember waking up out of bed uh, to dad knocking on my bedroom door. Uh, we go downstairs. I remember eating oatmeal with dad. <laughs> and I, I mean, this this memory is like a DVD playing on a TV screen right in front of me right now. Um, obviously, dad's going to carry his, carry his bow, um, which is an old bear first strike compound. Ancient. He's using aluminum arrows, the big snuffer broadheads uh, that are ancient history now for for most people. Sure. Um, and we make the drive to our our hunting property, um, knowing that we couldn't really sit all that long because we had to hightail it over to Grandma's house for lunch on Thanksgiving Day. Um, but mm-hmm. my dad and I were out there. We were the only group on this property in a double set. Uh, my uncle Mike is hunting just north of us a bit. Uh, Uncle Ron and his son are staggered about 70, 80 yards apart in separate stands. Um, and they're probably to our east about 100 yards. Uh, and I believe our grandfather, dad's dad, was uh, to our southeast a little bit. Um, 
and they, this was their their hunting ground for years as as a, a group. Um, and they would always try to go out together and sit so that every piece of that property was covered, um, increasing their odds of somebody harvesting a deer and the memory being shared. Not worrying about scent. Not worrying. Right. <laughs> that. Right. And I remember climbing up in the stand and it's it was a cold Thanksgiving morning. I think it had frosted that morning. I remember watching the sun come up and the the red, pink and orange clouds moving away and out, out of sight. Um, and it's Thanksgiving. So this is this is the tail end of the best part of the rut. Um, and I remember looking off in the distance and it's probably eight o'clock now looking in and seeing three does walk on the horizon. They're, they're moving probably right towards my Uncle Ron's stand. And Dad gets out the old JVC video camera that records to tape and starts recording. Um, and at this point, Dad looks at me and is confused because on the viewfinder of this video camera is a message that says in big, bold, white letters, Happy Thanksgiving. And he's trying to fumble with it, trying to figure out how to get those <laughs> words to right. disappear off the screen. <laughs> right. Well, I'm watching these deer, and the next thing I know, Dad says, there's a buck behind those does. He's chasing them. And they they slowly meander towards my Uncle Ron's stand. And Dad says, listen up. You're going to get to hear Uncle Ron's arrow hit this deer. And I, my ears perked, and I remember my heart pounding on my chest. And I, it was 20 degrees that morning, but I felt like it was 80 because of how excited and amped up I was. And dad's recording the whole time. Pretty soon, for whatever reason, the, those three does turned and instead of going towards Uncle Ron, they came on a beeline right to the base of our tree. And you know the buck's going to follow him. So dad, on one of the old pegs that we used to screw into the tree and climb into our stand, hangs the JVC camera up. <laughs> gets his bow and, and gets ready for the shot because we know now that this buck is going to walk right towards us and the does pass underneath us at probably less than 20 yards and we're you know 20 25 feet in the air and the as the buck gets closer you can just see mass it was palmated had a huge drop tine on its right side that came down and, and seemed to wrap around underneath its its jaw this, I mean, the deer was probably up until maybe the last couple of years, the biggest deer that I had seen on the hoof. Um, gotcha. And I, I just remember dad saying, be quiet, be still, just watch this. I'm going to get a shot. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sit still, but I guarantee you that I was bouncing at least three feet off the seat of my <laughs> tree stand because how excited I was. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, that, that buck walked right in the same line that those does did. Dad drew back shot that deer took off and, and ran bounding through the woods. The does took off in the opposite direction. And I remember looking at dad and saying, nice shot, celebrating, high-fiving. Uh, we were too far apart in the set to give each other hugs, but I know I wanted to. And uh, I remember specifically telling him based on the old Monster Bucks videos that we used to watch that you know what dad now all we have to do is wait 30 minutes before we go and start tracking him and dad said no that deer's that deer's already dead it was the perfect shot and so we sat for probably 10 minutes talking about the whole thing and dad reached over to pick up the jvc camera and it was still recording it was recording the whole time so we got wow. all of that audio documented none of the video of course because i didn't know how to use the camera at the time but uh we got down and walked followed the blood trail right to the base of uncle ron's tree stand uncle ron tells us he saw that deer run past covered in blood and didn't shoot because he knew one of us uh, someone else had shot it um so he joined the track and we walked further and followed it to the base of my cousin ronnie's tree stand who was uncle ron's son 
the same person who inspired Nick's Bigfoot <laughs> yeah. dreams. Right, right. Um, but the story goes that en- ended up all of us getting together and tracking this deer for half a mile or more, finding huge pools of blood, consistent blood for about 450 to 500 yards of this track job. And it ended up fizzling out. And we went back and, and dumbfounded, put the videotape in to see what we got. And you can hear the shot and you can hear me say, dad, now all we have to do is wait 30 minutes. And the sad part is that we never recovered that deer. But I learned so much from it because those monster buck videos were right. Waiting 30 minutes minimum for whatever deer you shoot just ensures that you're going to be far more successful in recovering a deer. And, you know, it, it was heartbreaking for me and for dad at the time, but we learned so much from it. And then that's why I think it stuck with me so much. That's awesome. What a great, that's just a phenomenal story to tell. And yeah, the old JVC recorders. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which we still have, but we way. still have it. That's, that's excellent. Crazy. You should shoot some, some new footage on the old camera to see how it looks. <laughs> it's a little grainy. I bet. I bet. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the rest of your pro staff. Who's Rachel Miller? That is our younger sister who is just incredible at everything she does. She has killed the biggest buck between us, 165-inch stud. Um, she slays turkeys in the spring. She just she's, she's awesome. She's a heck of an athlete. She's a wonderful musician. She actually composed a song that we've used in several of our videos. She played on the piano when we put some accompany to it. Um, she's a, a great artist, has a great vision, very well-spoken, very smart, and just an all-around great individual she's a, a sophomore in high school but most importantly she's a good shot and she's she a is. good hunter she's three for three on bucks <laughs> that's important uh, she's yeah. a saxophonist too according to your bio here is that, is that she is yeah, she that's is. good a, see i'm an old saxophonist from way back too so i appreciate oh, yeah. that oh, yeah nice. yep i think that all started because i i played the saxophone when i was in school in the band and she kind of molded herself towards that i think partly because we already owned the instrument but yep. because it caught her attention too Nice. All right. Uh, Brett and Newsling. Tell us about Brett. Brett, Brett Nightsling is how Nightsling. you pronounce Thank you. Name. Yeah. The spelling always trips people up. Um, he is my best friend. Okay. And uh, I mean, we've interacted with each other since I can remember pretty much. We were in 4-H together. We were always in, in class together in high school. We did. We both ran track. Uh, he wrestled in high school for a couple years while I wrestled. Um and we always just, it seemed like in school, uh, we were the kids who wanted to do the farm work, who wanted to get out and go fishing, who wanted to get out and play paintball and do the outdoorsy stuff. And and that's kind of how our, our clique developed. And he and I were, were the closest of that group. Gotcha. All right. And uh, Corey Moyer. Yeah. And that's, that's my best bud for a while now. And same kind of same same thing with Jake and Brett. We just have hung out and both enjoy hunting so much. And he actually does a great job self-filming for us because um, most of the time Jake and I are out hunting together. And, uh, you know, every once in a while we hop in a tree with Corey, but he does a lot of self-filming and does a great job. He has, I think, multiple hunts on film for us. So, yeah, that's that's Corey. And uh, he actually also is a guide out west with Trophy Plus Outfitters. So he gets some pretty cool footage out there too excellent all right so fast forward 20 years guys what's life look like well jake texted me about a year ago and said nick i don't know if you remember this i do nick like what are you gonna what are we gonna do with this you know down the road where do you see yourself and i said uh 
for sure, you know, without a doubt, we are going to be involved in the outdoor industry some way or another, whether we eventually move to television where we stay online. Um, but whatever we do, we're going to be ourselves. We're going to impact people. And, you know, we're going to our goal is to be what, you know, our motto is one family filming hunts and capturing memories one day at a time. And in 20 years, that's what I want to be doing. And I want to be impacting as many people as I can, as I, we can. I would completely 100% agree with everything that Nick just said. Gotcha. I guess we, we like to say that, you know, it's kind of cliche, but the, the sky's the limit. You know, we're only, it's kind of get sappy. We only, we're only. Who stops at the sky? We're going to the moon and beyond. Yeah, there right? you go. You only, you only live one life. So we want to, you know, this is what we want to do. Um, you know, we want to continue to film hunts and be as real, real people as we can be. And hopefully one day we're going to be making a living doing that. And I think as, as kids, you grow up with, you know, you start out wanting to be a fireman or a police officer, and then you move to a different career. And Nick and I have both decided that we cannot see ourselves doing anything other than being involved in the outdoor hunting industry. Mm. And that's become our passion and you you get really good at what you do if you're passionate about it and you become really driven and that's that's where we are and that's where we're going to project ourselves 20 years into the future gotcha love it you guys remind me and dusty back me up on this if you think this is true of the gia rizzos and <laughs> yeah oh, yeah, yeah. it's so funny you say that because i was actually talking to dave last night and he we were talking about how similar we seem <laughs> So that's really funny you say that. Yeah. Our stories are, I mean, even even how how they got started compared to how we got started are very very similar. Yep. 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 Very much so. And, and as you know, they've been a guest on our show. And yeah, you know, when we see them out and about at different conventions or things like that, we just we got to hang out with them for a little while because they just they're good guys and they crack us yeah. up. And we I just yep. they 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 carry energy much like yourselves, and oh. it it kind of sets your the tone for the day. So. It's, uh, yeah. if you get a little dose of the Gia Rizzo's early in the morning, you're good for the day. <laughs> <laughs> you might be good for a couple of days. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so let me set the stage here. Besides the gun, what's that one item that you have to take with you into the woods that if you leave in the truck, it drives you nuts all day? Well, I mean, for us, I think we replaced the gun with a bow. Yeah. And it's a compound bow. Okay. Um, Even during gun season, we hunt with a bow mostly. And I... I don't know if I can speak for Nick on this, but for myself, if I if I forget something in the truck and it drives me nuts, it's a camera. Whether it's a small GoPro or a little action camera or the big video camera, that's the other thing that I want to take with me in the woods to accompany my bow at all times. For me, it's hand warmers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hand warmers. All right. Excellent. All right. No, I agree with Jake. If we, yeah, if we, for whatever reason, have an SD card that's filled or, yeah, forget, I mean, I don't think we really forget a camera very often, but, I mean, yeah, it's all about, it's, don't have a camera charged, maybe, yeah, that's, that will drive me nuts all day. <laughs> Good one. No, I can see that. All right. Yeah. What's your, what's a recommended book that you would recommend to other hunters to read? I just finished um, reading, actually. It's called Hunting Mature Whitetails, the Lukoski way. I'm sure everyone, you know, Lee and Tiffany, everyone knows them. Um, I just, I mean, I learned a lot from it. Obviously, they are, you know, hunting hunt, in a hunting situation that we necessarily aren't in, but they still have a lot of awesome tips. Um, you know, talked a lot about like food plots and patterning deer. But what I liked about it so much is it talked about, you know, 
where they were 20 years ago and how they started. Um, he was working as like an engineer, you know, it, it, it just seemed like fitting because, you know, you got to start somewhere. And that's why I like it so much because look where they are now. I mean, uh, it's, it's unreal. And it just kind of is encouraging to know that people like that were just normal people like us as well. I think it also is something that, you know, Nick talked about their, their hunting style and their hunting situation is different from someone like us because they have access to a lot of land and can manage several properties and, and do that for a living where we're in college trying to get an education and trying to work to pay our first school and trying to fit hunting and filming hunts and editing videos all into that mix. Um, but the tips that they have in their book kind of, we can take them and be the creative person and modify them to fit our style of hunting. And I think that's kind of where you learn more is when, when you can take someone's advice and adhere it to yourself and your own situation. Right. Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, and how about your number one hunting tip of all time? Nick, go. Number one hunting tip. Do your homework for sure. That is for sure my number one hunting tip. The amount of deer we've had, mature deer that we've had encounters with um, and even harvested has increased drastically just because of, you know, like I said, doing doing your homework, trail cameras, patterning your deer, hunting, um, only hunting a stand when the wind's right for that stand. Uh, even going back to Jake's story, uh, you know, not tracking, even if you know you made a perfect shot, do not track that deer 30, 40 minutes. And, you know, so yeah, doing your homework, number one tip for sure. Okay. You can't just, you can't just go out opening day and, and hunt and expect, expect the unexpected to happen, I guess. Okay. You gotta, you gotta put time in. Jake, is that yours as well? Uh, no, I would say that mine is, uh, practice does make for near perfect. Uh, you, you gotta shoot your bow. You got, if you're taking a camera, you gotta practice setting it up. I mean, we, we hung a, a wooden tree stand that I built in our backyard in, in a tree that's not huntable. <laughs> and we practice setting up the tree arm and setting up all the other angles and the communication. We practice packaging all our stuff up so we know we have everything that we need, whether it's arrows, release, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, we, we practice how we're going to load all that stuff into the truck, uh, the route we're going to take to drive there, how we're going to walk into the woods. We rehearse how we're going to set up cameras, how we're going to set stands, what stand goes in the tree first. And we, we think about all that stuff and go through it in our heads and practice it so that when it comes to actually executing it, it's as perfect as it can be. And one, actually, I want to add on that one tip for anyone trying to start filming their hunts. Don't be afraid and don't hesitate to press the record button because it's never the same if you have to go back and get that shot later. So if you say, you know, oh, we'll just we'll get that shot later, whether it's B-roll of something up in the tree, whether it's after you harvested your deer, take that shot now. Take the time to do it because you'll you'll be thankful for it later when you're when you're editing and stuff. OK, excellent. Good tip. Um, OK, so of the between Jake, Nick and Rachel, who's the best hunter? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you put us on the spot. Uh, that's, a, that's a loaded like like a slug best, loaded question. You said best looking that that's easy. But best, <laughs> best hunter, you know, if we're talking, if we're talking, I've, okay, I've killed the most bucks. Okay. Rachel has never missed and or not recovered a deer. Got the highest so percentage, all right. So is it me, Jake? Highest, I want to hear you say it. Highest percentage, <laughs> I think, is Rachel. Okay. Uh, most uh, probably clean successes and most memorable successes goes to Nick. But I would also admit that those come at, at my <laughs> hand because I was behind the camera to document it and have proof of it. Right. So I, I guess we're, we're, 
were the same. Okay. <laughs> it's we'll just, give it to Rachel. Rachel gets it. It wouldn't be the same if I would almost say that Nick and I are one hunter in two different bodies okay. because of how we act in the woods. And if I were to ask Rachel the same question, what would she say? Absolutely. She, she would say her for sure. Okay. Good. <laughs> Excellent. And she wouldn't hesitate either. Perfect. Um, guys, tell us who your sponsors are. So we want to, we definitely want to thank Covert Scouting Cameras for the, the cameras that they make and all the information that we get from them. Chaos Game Call supplies game calls that we, we use regularly. All Blade Archery, they make the broadheads that we use. Wolf Premium Oils, we use that to clean our guns. Um, and they actually have bowstring oils now too. Blood Spore Arrows, uh, which is part of Muddy Outdoors and, and uh, the big game tree stand network hill jack seats which is a, a seat that you sit in on the ground to kind of check your angle if you're sitting on a slope and then bonehog mineral sites uh that we use to help gather information on our deer through ca- trail cameras okay fantastic all right so when you guys aren't in the woods and you're not on the mic with us where can we find you well i'll be on a wrestling mat anywhere across the country competing and up until this year jake would be running on a track, track meet somewhere across okay. the country and if we wanted to find you online, if we wanted to reach out, if I'm a listener, how do I find you? How you do can I definitely, you can definitely search O Town Outdoors on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can go to otownoutdoors.com. Okay, awesome guys. Um, I got to tell you, it's been unbelievable talking to you guys, and and how well you tell stories, how well spoken you are. The energy level is high, and I love that. Um, gets us old guys out of our seat, you know what I mean? And just, uh, I love what you guys are doing. And I think you have a very, very bright future ahead of you. Thank you. We appreciate it very much. Yes. Dusty, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You guys are headed in the right direction and man, the passion and love for what you're doing. I can definitely see it in both of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And thanks for having us on. We had a blast. It was awesome. We definitely did. I had a blast too. So hang on one second, guys. But thanks for joining us on the Big Buck Podcast. Nothing like listening to a couple of young guys with just the world ahead of them speak and get you pumped up about your own life. Just just hang out with these guys. You can feel the energy. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the things where – I see a lot of young men like, uh, you know, Nick and Jake there that the, their head's not on their shoulders right. They're, they're thinking way different than they should be. And, and their maturity level's way, way lower than, than mm-hmm. the Miller brothers. These guys got it going on, you know. I've been very fortunate to be able to connect with them in a personal level, meet up with them and, and spend a few hours with them. And they got a father that showed them the right things. They showed he showed them right from wrong, and they're trying to do all the right things and and, and actually go through and build the bridge, you know, and pour the footers and foundation and and lay a deck across the river and be able to travel that. And, and they're doing great things for themselves. Love it. They're just amazing individuals, and you know, we get a lot of requests to be on the show and. These guys were probably the some of the most persistent, and I didn't really know who they were initially. But when you're that persistent, and then when you talk to these guys, you're like, man, I wish I had done this a while ago. And I apologize to Nick and Jake for not having you on sooner because uh, it would have been a great show then, just as it was a great show now. Uh, but, man, you guys are the best, and thanks for all your support for the Big Buck Podcast. Uh, you have our You have our back, and we've got yours, so... Um, thanks for being on the show. So, Dusty, do you have a Chubby Tines tip of the week this week? Well, well yeah, absolutely. You know, Jay, it's uh, 
It's one of the things where it, it's taken me back to a kid, and it's something that I'll never forget, and something that we as hunters and veteran hunters and even new hunters coming up can think about this in the future. But uh, you know, anytime you can take the opportunity to to talk to an individual about uh, hunting in general, whitetail hunting in particular, you know, stop and take a few minutes and and actually pass along that tradition. It's something that uh, if if we don't pass it along, we don't keep it rolling. It's something that possibly could go away. Uh, you know, video game and computers and uh, cable TV has drawn the young kids away from the outdoors. Right. But that's something as uh, us veteran hunters and, and guys that's been going to the woods for a very long time can actually make an impact in that by taking that few minutes when somebody asks a question about hunting or the outdoors in general to pass along a little information. You know, you don't got to get them your exact location where your tree stands at. But maybe give them a, a few hints and tips to be successful in the whitetail woods or out in the outdoors. Right. Well, part of that, you said don't give them your tree stand location. Part of that education and learning is about where you should place your tree stand, not going where somebody else has already figured it out. Yeah. And, and what I meant by that, when I said that, Jay, is, is not give them everything. Exactly. There's some stuff that you got to learn on your own because you could tell somebody something and it won't sink in until you actually experience it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something that uh, you know, we, we need to work on and and, and do more of. Right. Talking talking to people. Right. Get yourself out there and make it make yourself available if you're a veteran hunter or somebody that's been very successful in the whitetail woods, make yourself available to talk to people about that. Yep. Completely agree. Open up a little bit. Yeah. So, Dusty, we got a uh, honorable mention on a blog post from Mark Kenyon at Wired to Hunt, who's a fellow podcaster and a great uh, writer and blogger, outdoor writer. And uh, he he ranked us in the top 12 outdoor podcasts that you can listen to on iTunes. That's very cool. You know, very honored to be in the top 12. And uh, I think that uh, we'll stay there for a long time, Jay. We work really hard and we, we try to take our skills to the next level as far as the outdoor podcast industry. I agree. I agree. And, you know, speaking of other great outdoor podcasts, um, we are on the Outdoor Podcast Channel where you can join our friends, Carrie Z, Mike Adams from Up North Journal. Uh, you can join Andy Galliano from the Turkey Hunter Podcast, Bow Hunting Freedom with Phil Havens, or Take Aim Outdoors Podcast with Brendan Hammonds, and our good fellow New Hampshireites, the Fish Nerds, Clay Groves, and Dave Kellum. So, uh, there's another place where you can go, Outdoor Podcast Channel. We're actually starting to add more podcasts to the channel. So if uh, if you like listening to Outdoor Podcasts, that's the place to hang out because there's a lot of them and they're coming daily. And we're on that show. Dusty, we're approaching 200,000 downloads all time for the Big Buck Podcast. I suspect we'll be there in the next day and a half. And uh, we're uh, we're cruising right along. We've been getting some really good downloads this week. And I uh, can't thank you enough for listening to the show, uh, if you're listening right now. Just keep uh, giving us reviews. Turn your other hunting friends on to the show. We can find, you can find us on iTunes and, and any of the Android apps on your phone. That's probably the most downloaded place. So if you, if you want to listen to the show, your phones, there, it's available right there on your smartphones. So, Dusty, where can we find you when you're not here talking to me? Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors. Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Gobbler. And you can also send me an email at Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com. Jay, 
Where can the folks find you at when you're not on the mic here? It's Big Buck Racer and Deer Hunting Podcast. Sure. Well, first, I'd like to invite you, if you are a fan of this show, and if you would like to help donate to the cause, you can do a couple things. You can donate by going to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate. Helps us pay the bills. We definitely have, you know, we have hosting costs and travel time and, and time put into different websites and keeping this uh, hosting going for the show itself. Or you can go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge and pledge your support on a show type basis, like a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever you feel like is is good. Um, if you have a product that you would like to get highlighted on this show, we are looking for sponsors, and that's bigbuckregistry.com forward slash sponsor. And you can read all about our downloads and our audience and what you can expect to find here and and price points, although everything is negotiable. Uh, if you would like to submit a buck to the Big Buck Registry Facebook page, where we have surpassed 160,000 followers and would like to be famous for a day, go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash mybuck. If you'd like to check out our Facebook page, it's bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Facebook. We're also on Twitter, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Twitter, or give us a call at 724-613-2825. And as always, you can email Dusty at Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com or me, Jay, uh, Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com. And I think that's all the places we're hanging out when we're not here talking to each other. Big Buck, Big Buck everywhere. Uh, big, big Buck. buck. Very nice. Love, it. Love, Love talking Big Bucks. Yep. You know, guys, stay pumped up, stay amped up, stay jacked up, fired up. Whitetail season is not very far away. Yes, very soon we'll be out of this heat and humidity, and it'll be a little cooler. And guess what happens then? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Gotta love it. Whitetail season just around the corner. Right around hey, the corner. Hey, Dusty Phillips. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. See you next week. Can't wait. <laughs>